Welcome to Bears Beyond the Gate, a Bristol Bears podcast made by fans for fans. We're four season ticket holders at Ashton Gate who love the club, the game and all things Bears. So for a light-hearted take on Bristol's progress on and off the pitch this season, stay tuned. At last, rugby is back. In this week's show, we give our thoughts on Bristol's late win against Saracens. It wasn't pretty, but it was a powerful statement on the Bears' defensive step-up and the squad's winning mentality. We also preview Friday's game against West Country rivals Gloucester. With games coming thick and fast now, we give our thoughts on who Pat will pick for the trip up the M5. We also hear from a Gloucester perspective what we can expect to face at Kingsholm. We'll round off with more rugby news from Ashton Gate and beyond. I'm Tony and this week I'm joined on the phone by Lee, Miles and Pete for a cheeky beer and some rugby banter. Gentlemen, it is Monday evening. We've had a, a little under 48 hours since uh, since that game. How are we feeling? Let, let me come to uh, Pete down, I'm sure, down in his uh, South Devon home. How, how are you now, Pete? Well, well, actually, Tony, I'm, I'm back in Bristol. Oh, um, oh I'm so gosh. excited about the result. I thought I'd just have to come home and uh, and soak up the atmosphere around BS3. Um, so, yeah, I did actually listen to the game um, on a beach um, uh, in in the South of Devon, but but home now. Yeah, I mean, it was a it was a it was a it was a difficult listen. It was pretty excruciating. Um, I felt as though I'd been there before. <laughs> um, but you know, what a great finish! And what a, well. It was a great. It was great to hear the try. The finish was a bit uh, difficult, but yeah, I mean, you can't knock a, a victory like that. I mean, you know, I think we've been a bit over optimistic last week in, in our predictions, but a win's a win, and I think against a team like Saracens, relegated or not, if you grind out a defence-driven victory like that, then you've got to be happy. Absolutely. Now, Miles, did did you send the uh, did you send your butler down to the cellars to to get some uh, champagne to toast that victory on Saturday? Well, I did, yeah. He dusted off, you know, dusted them off and brought up a fine vintage. I mean, in fact, you know, my old mucker Lee there came over and we had a little social distance watch of the game. Lee had one sofa, I had the other sofa, but we thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean, what an amazing result. I didn't, I didn't predict really that I'd be so excited about a final result against Saris. I mean, looking at their team sheet, they certainly didn't hold back. Mark McCall picked a full-strength side, Barrow in Farrell, etc. And I, and I thought, oh, this is going to be a tough game. And lo and behold, it was a really difficult game. They were so quick, defensively brilliant. And, yeah, you know, we ground out a result, as, as you rightly said. A couple of years ago, we would have failed in the last five minutes, but just proves where Bristol have come. And I'm so excited we got a brilliant win. Yeah, it's brilliant. So, Lee, did, did Miles uh, entertain well on, on Saturday? Uh, how, how was your, your watching experience uh, at, the, at the mansion? It was... It was a lovely, lovely evening at the mansion. I mean, I should have left probably 20 minutes earlier because I didn't realise it would take quite so long to uh, to get up the driveway. But um, no, it was fantastic. We had a, we had a lovely chilli and we uh, we actually celebrated our victory with a beautiful South African red, didn't we, Miles? So, uh, it was glorious. Yeah, it was yeah, really nice. What was their name? <laughs> Come on, gentlemen, it's a family show. It's a oh, family yeah, it's a show. show. Sorry. Now... Um, uh, it, 
It wasn't a feast of running rugby. I think the weather had uh, quite a uh, impact on that, and maybe uh, Semi's debut for the the Bears didn't quite live expectations. But my word, what a defensive performance! And I think when she, when you look at some of the stats from Saturday. Um, we had 43% possession, 38% territory, so on, on the back foot there. But tackles, 92 tackles, which was a 94% success rate. We only missed six to Saracen's 21 missed tackles, but we also made 311 metres to their 145. Um, and, and something we, our, our regular column now in the Bristol Post is back, that... Uh, uh, the first one was published today that's a Monday so you can get it in the Bristol Post or on Bristol Live um, and uh, yeah we, we talked about that step up defensively because um, th- th- that was the key to the game wasn't it um, let, 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 let me come to, to Lee um, how, how did you feel that team compared to let's say the team of last year oh it's it's absolutely the opposite end of the spectrum for me I mean I I think that it it epitomised it right towards the end when Semi had put in a you know 50 metre dash to put a tackle on um, Sean Maitland Um, I mean literally I don't know where he got the energy from from that but that absolutely summed up the the character and the attitude of Bristol. I mean, defensively, like Miles had said earlier. I mean, Saris were were good. I mean, they were they were kind of they were pushing us. They were um, pressing us. Um, and defensively, it was a shift by every single one of the players and the replacements. Um, and let's face it, boys. We've you know over the years we've enjoyed some brilliant rugby, but defensively we've always been you know pretty pretty. Yeah, not not weak, but we've been loose at times, and um, we just seem to have that pretty much nailed now. Yeah, I'm a happy boy. Uh, I think we're all happy. I mean, uh, I, I, I was bouncing around the front room on uh, on Saturday at the final whistle. Let, let, let me come to you, Miles. Um, and uh, one of the the two main talking points, I think, from from that game, obviously the Wizard of Oz set off from about 40, 45 metres out, waltzed through what looked like the whole of the Saracens team to score an amazing individual try that was chalked out because of um, uh, interference with uh, Otoji. How, how did you see that, Thacker's little nudge oh, on Otoji? Yeah. You know, me and Lee were absolutely gutted. We just couldn't believe it. I mean, to be fair, you know, there were lots of replays in the TMO. And, yeah, he's an experienced lad, Otoji. He, you know, slightly biased. He knows how to play the ref and, you know, talk in his ear. And he clearly did that. There was no way in the world he was going to catch Morahan, not in a million years. So we think Lee and I were both quite surprised that it was chalked off. But an amazing, outstanding try. And it's just, yeah, a bit gutted for him, really. But, you know, rules are the rules. They were stretched a little bit. A bit of a shame for him. But... A bit. I mean, my take my take on that is, I mean, how many players could have tackled him after a Toji went past a Toji? I mean, you know, at the end of the day, they had plenty of chances to tackle him. They just weren't good enough. So, it, to me, I saw it on replay because I um, say I listened to the game. 
and I didn't really have any idea when I heard about what had gone on. But I mean, I mm-hmm. thought it was very poor. I mean, this is this is where it's a difficult line, isn't it? Where we we talk about application of common sense, and um, you know, it's always a difficult debate about rules and common sense and interpretation. But that was soft, very soft. I thought. Okay, let, let, let me just get a comment from you then, Pete. Um, if if you've, you've seen the replays now, um, the 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 other main talking point, I suppose, was the uh, the penalty try. Um, how, how how did you see that when you watched it again on the replay? Well, I, I definitely wasn't shouting that it wasn't a penalty try. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, no, I mean, I think uh, realistically. Um, when, when I kind of heard it on the radio, I didn't, you, you know, it's, it's quite hard to visualise what the hell was going on. I didn't realise it was quite so close to the corner. Um, I mean, I, I don't know, the penalty tries are difficult, aren't they? We, we're never quite sure what the rule is, like how many times you have to infringe or is it a terrible infringement? But, you know, you're always, you're always going to take it. And we've been at the, the back end of, or the, the bad end of a few penalty tries ourselves. So, um, yeah, I mean, to be honest, when that happened... You know, I thought it was game over. And, and, you know, typically, you know, I think on the radio commentary, they're like, all Bristol got to do is keep hold of the ball. And, you know, and then suddenly, oh, they've lost the ball. And I'm like, this is easy. <laughs> yeah, I mean... No, and then it was like, and then before I knew it, I obviously lost concentration. Saracens were on our line. I was like, how did they get there? And then they're like, yellow card after yellow card. After, oh, it's, it's a penalty after penalty. Um, and, uh, and I only kind of, you know, when they said it was, a, the commentary was all a bit over excited, excitable. So I didn't really know what happened for us to, to get possession to, um, to like finish the game. But then when I saw the replay, it was basically, it was Callum Sheedy, wasn't it? It was something like hacked it forward. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was great, but, you know, we've still got a bit of learnings to do, haven't we, when it comes to um, closing out the odd game here and there. Yeah, I think I think it was Carl Sinclair, wasn't it, that that hacked it oh, through, yeah. and it, it was unfortunate, wasn't it? Andy, you're in under no pressure at all from the um, the, the the restart, knocked it on, and uh, yeah, then we we went backwards rapidly. And I don't know about Miles and Lee, you know, watching it live. Um, committed obviously to the to the podcast by watching it live on the tv um (laughs) whether your 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 hearts were thumping um because you know to defend one line out you thought yeah yeah and then uh, another another line out with a drive did you feel that you know it just was going to twist against us at the last point at the last minute Well, I'd say, I mean, we're seasoned pros at this now, Tony, aren't we, as Bristol fans? I mean, we are, I mean, me me and Miles literally couldn't sit down for the last, what, 10 minutes anyway. And uh, I mean, it, I mean, literally, it's just, it is typical Bristol, isn't it? I mean, I I don't want to be negative at all because it was a fantastic result and, um, you know, we got the points. But, I mean, like Pete said, we've still got learnings. We know that. It was the first game back, ring rustiness as well. Um, but for sure, we were definitely, definitely up on our seats towards the end. And, yeah, I mean, when that, when that ball was finally kicked out, then we could finally, you know, breathe, you know, excel again and think, oh, my goodness, we've actually done it. We've got the, the you know, the finish line. So, yeah, it was, but, you know, it that's what rugby is isn't it it was that's exactly what we watch rugby for it's that passion that commitment and you know that excitement and sometimes that'll go your way 
Other times it, it won't. And, you know, on Saturday we were just, you know, we were lucky it went our way. Uh, um, yeah, Sarah... Sorry, Saris were, were never going to give us an easy game, were they? And, and you know, we knew they'd push us right up, to, right up to the last. Say that now. The, the, well, I know that the last minute, and that, as you know, as as Lee said, it was just you know nerve wracking the last minute. And I think we definitely thought they were just going to just do another exeter and take it at a death. But yeah, good on the lads. So they held strong and just about got the win. Can I just pick you up there, Miles? Because you said yeah. um, we know Saracens were never going to give us an easy game. Let me remind every, everybody <laughs> of, of the predictions from last week. Um, there was Pete. We're going to steamroller and put thirty on them. I think oh, you, pre- sorry. you predicted a, thir- a thirty fifteen comfortable victory for for Bristol. Lee, you, you were super confident. Uh, a bonus point twenty eight fourteen victory. And Miles had a score in thirty one points to 17 and uh, uh, getting yeah, a try scoring I, 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 bonus point well I, I, I was <laughs> I was hoping well, listeners would have forgotten that podcast already Tony but thanks yeah. for hey, reminding but, me but, but Tony but Tony the most important the most important thing was we all went for a Bristol win didn't we we, we, all, did. we all did I went for a narrow three point win at 2017 so I, did you, Tony? I, oh, I, we, we, I couldn't remember that. I, I, I am going to claim the first point in our, our little prediction competition. Well, to, be, to be fair to Miles, he called it a four-point difference, didn't he? 31-27. So, 17. 31-17. 31-17, he said. 31-17, sorry. Yeah. Awful. Useless, yeah. Miles, utterly useless. Well, well, you know, we it was a, a fantastic team effort. I think that winning mentality. Pat Lamb, obviously, I think one of the things that I've noticed, you know, we're not afraid to win ugly. Um, whereas I think yeah. the, the the team from a, maybe a year ago would have started chucking the ball around, trying to play a very open game. But I think one thing I'm really interested to to get your views on that that really did highlight an area. I think possibly the one area where we still have a lot to develop you know there was some we were a bit ring rusty around things you know some of the set moves and you know the line out didn't work that well but I thought comparing our kicking out of hand game at nine and ten to um uh, you know, Rigglesworth and Good at Saracens really did highlight that there's still a lot of work to be done to uh, to tighten up that kicking game. And, and Pete, I know it's something that you've you've talked about quite a bit in the past. What what what, what was your thoughts? I suppose you didn't see the whole game on, on the TV, but th- there was a lot of loose kicking. Yeah, and I, I mean, I picked it up a lot on the, the commentary actually on the radio. It is, yeah. I mean, it's. It's a difficult one because it's easy. It would be easy to say uh, that we should get a more experienced scrum half in, but we, you know, but Harry Randall will learn a lot from that game, and, and Andy Uren will learn a lot from that game, and they learn a lot from a game we won. Um, and you know, we, Pat is it's one of the pillars. It's one of the pillars. It's supporting young English and Bristolian-based players to become better and I think we have to accept that if we that's what we are that's what we want you know we don't want to just buy in experienced players just to kind of you know we've got to develop so 
you know, I think they'll learn from it. You know, Randall has had better kicking games. Sheedy's, you know, developing as a kicker. Arends had better kick games. We just got to, you know, I think we have got to stick with the boys and give them the support. And and I'm sure they'll be pouring over the video. They'll be talking about kicks and chases and all this sort of stuff. Um, it's part of the game. You know, we they've got the potential. We know they have. So, um, you know, we, we it didn't affect us in terms of the result. We won the game. We move on and uh, and learn from it. Yeah, yeah I, I agree with Pete, and I think also, I mean, that's you know, it's um, it's hell of a comparison when we when we compare our two against the the Saris two because, I mean, Alex Good's been running games yeah. for you know for decades, isn't he now? So, yeah. you know, it's 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 where Sheedy and Randall aspire to be, but I think we all know collectively that they're still young lads, and you know they they've got a, they've got to um, you know get. Get these games under their belts to to be able to get to that level. Um, actually, incidentally, just after halftime, can you remember the break that Randall made with the uh, kick through, which which very nearly gave Ben Earl a chance to to go over the line? And I thought that was um, you know it didn't happen often, but actually it does show that that when we can get the ball, um, you know Randall he, he is pacey and he can kind of put those balls forward. But um, equally, they they were. They were pressed. They were, you know, Sarri's um, pushed the line up. They, they pressured really hard, really fast. And, and it was one of those games where I think we we felt we had to do everything like, you know, a millisecond quicker than we, we, we normally would. But, yeah, I mean, I think these are aspiring young players. And, and I think, personally, I have full belief in both of them. Yeah, I mean, um, Riggles. We got to remember that Rigglesworth is a is an absolute top quality operator. That that bloke, in my opinion, should have played a lot more for England. I think he's a he's a, he's been a fantastic scrum half. Agreed. All of his career, mm, yeah. and yeah. you know, he's quick. His pass is quick. He's about fifty eight now, isn't he? I mean, he's had a lot of uh, experience. So. I think that might have just amplified perhaps the inexperience of ours a little bit. And, and you know, we we've got confidence in them. We we were confident about them before the the uh, the lockdown and will continue to be. I mean it is a it, halfbacks are a crucial position and that, you know, if I was gonna kind of have an add a caveat to that, you know, it is a crucial position. It's perhaps a slight gamble to to, to put our faith in them but they have delivered for us and you know it's exciting isn't it it's exciting and you know they will only they can only get better so I think learnings put it in the locker come out strong next game okay well let's let's talk about some of the individual performances let me kick off with uh, Siali Piatau how good was it to see him back in his uh, in his inside centre position and uh, I, I just thought he, he had an immense game um, he was he was so fired up he was charging into tackles um, and I think uh, very much deserved the man of the match and you know it would have been great if uh, you know if Jamie George hadn't um, stopped him scoring the the, the winning try and, and making it a penalty try instead um, and I think it's shown a little bit how much we've maybe maybe missed him at inside centre uh, I, th- I think he was was really really solid but let me come to Miles then who who, who else impressed you from uh, the Bristol team um, I mean other than Ciala he showed his, he showed certainly as you said Tony he showed his leadership didn't he in, that, in the backs and he was just brilliant which is what we've missed really his defence which is 
Fantastic. Um, you know, the, the whole squad impressed me. The conditions were dreadful. But, you know, I'll tell you what, in the second half, the, 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 the now that called system players, they were finishers, aren't they? I think <laughs> as Pat likes to call them now, came on. The likes of Sinclair and Beno, oh, they were just brilliant. I mean, you know, Ben Elmley scored in the first minute of himself being on the pitch. Sinclair just showed himself to be an absolute nuisance, which is what we know he does so well for England. And even Saka, you know, his, his line-out throws, they just didn't come good. I understand that. And, uh, and Brian Byrne, they were missing everything. But Saka's running in and out, diving and weaving. It, it was brilliant. And I think we, we've missed that during his injury period. So I think Saka and Sinclair coming on, I, I, I loved them. They were just brilliant. Brilliant. But uh, you know, they were my stand-up players. I think. Let, let me let me come to Lee next. What what about in the engine room, the front row and the second row? Who who stood out for you there? Well, I, I mean, I, I thought Big Jake had a he had a tough day at the office, but he stuck at it. And I thought, you know, fair, fair play to him. You know, it was um, again he's going to learn well. And I thought again, Chris Fui for me, I, you know, um, in the second row, I thought Fui, he was up against Satoji, and he was an absolute menace as he always is. Uh, you know, all. all day long with the line acts and I thought Vu had stuck to his task well I uh, thought Dan Thomas was solid but actually Luke Morahan I was um, I know obviously we're not talking about front row now we've gone no, off on a tangent carry but, on carry on but I I thought Luke Morahan was brilliant because I mean obviously we all know the guy's got pace he's a brilliant team player but we have to remember those conditions they were ab- they were crap weren't they they were terrible and yeah. you know for a speedster to to do what he did on the night i just thought he was he was class as he always is and you know like we've uh, you know already um talked about i was gutted for him about that try because that was one of the best individual tries he literally just run through series um and and that's what he gives us you know he gives us that on a on a pitch with you know wet pitch with awful conditions and he still can produce that and that was absolute class for me yeah I think one of the things for me a slight surprise was maybe to um see Nathan Hughes come off at half time uh, but then it did give us a full 40 minutes to look at Ben Earl and uh, I was very impressed by uh, what I saw um, you can see why he scored seven tries uh, this season because where where Nathan is you know he he is huge he, he, he is a battering ram I think there's possibly a bit more finesse to Ben Earl um, and uh, his speed around the pitch uh, I, I was really impressed with Pete any, any, good. any anybody that uh, any names you want to pick up well let, 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 let me give you a question actually um, so much of the build up was um, about Semi Radraja it was his debut he was going to set the premiership alight Um I think he had about three or four touches, including a knock-on and chasing um, a kick down where he he, he nearly took his head off on the uh, Maitland's <laughs> knee. Um, so, um, you know, how, how do you feel um, those conditions in that game? Um, you know, were we expecting too much to see a world-class performance from what who is a person that is a world-class player? Well, I... I, I... Perhaps I don't think I should have watched his YouTube video. 
<laughs> before last week's podcast or before the game, actually. That was probably a bad thing to do. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, let's be realistic. It's a debut on a wet day against a top quality team that's going to close all the spaces down and close the gaps down. Um, I think we'll, 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 we'll perhaps uh, give some credit to Saracens um, for, you know, shutting him down a bit. I mean, it, it's, it is, let's be honest, it's disappointing. I, I kind of was predicting he was going to slam through the first line of defence. Um, but, you know, he'll, again, I, I'm sure he will pretty soon um, give him, uh, you know, a nice dry pitch. And, uh, you know, we're, people, I guess people like Redrada will, you know, will get space when we, if our, you know, when we get on top in the game. And of course, we're never really on top, were we? So, um, because they were a quality side. But, you know, there are going to be some games that come that, you know, maybe for periods of the game, we really, the forwards really get on top. We can get quick ball out. And it's all about quick ball, I guess. You know, it's, uh, if we can get him moving. I mean, there's, there is an argument to say that, um, you know, maybe he would be, you know, we would be useful on the wing, you know, maybe so that he gets more of a chance, you know, from a, you know, from a bit of loose play or from a kick to, to get more of a run. You know, I know it's been mentioned by other people, but we'll see. I mean, you know, let's get one game. Um, yes, let's be honest, a bit disappointing. I was hoping to see him uh, score a try or two, but, uh, you know, it will come, won't it, obviously? I mean, I, I would say it just emphasises how well uh, how well Sarries had played against us, really, because they, they sh- not only did they shut Semi down, they'd obviously sh- shut Big Charles down as well, to be fair, you know, in a lot of instances. But, I mean, that just goes to show, I mean, we've still got, you know, players like Luke Morahan, who's, you know, he's... You you can't shut everyone down, you know. We've got Luke, we've got you know maybe Purdy or um, Alapati on the other wing. You know, teams we won't face teams like Saris every week with the ability to be able to shut our big name players down. And I I do think that that hiding is coming for for someone. Um, and I'm not going to say it's Gloucester, but I do think <laughs> I do think that some team is going to get it at some point. Mm. Okay, well, you know, after the, after those results, uh, it uh, you know it was an interesting weekend. Kicked off with um, Harlequins beating Sale, so that did us a big favour. Um, Quins winning sixteen ten. Obviously, um, Worcester uh, had a player sent off, uh, and they went down uh, six ways, fifteen points to forty four against Gloucester. Exeter just seemed to uh, march on in true Exeter form. They beat Leicester twenty six thirteen. Uh, good win for Bath. Ben Spencer looking sharp for them uh, as they won 34-17 at home to London Irish. Uh, and then another favour for us really was uh, Northampton Saints 21, um, but Wasps 34. And Wasps are quietly creeping up the table, which now stands at Exeter atop with 50 points. Bristol second, how good does that sound, on 42 points. Sale on 41, and now Wasps are up to fourth place on 38 points. Um, wow. Pete, any any or yeah, any reflections on any of those results uh, over the um, over the weekend? Yeah, I mean, I, I, not much more I can say. I mean, it, it's uh, wasps. I think is the, was in many ways is the standout one. We kind of you know come up through, off the radar a little bit there, up to fourth. Um, I'm just looking at the table as you speak. You know, it is. Bath down at fifth, Saints at sixth. Yeah, I mean, it's still there's still quite a lot to play for, isn't there? There's, uh, you know, I think that that 
that kind of upset the apple cart a little bit. It didn't necessarily go to form, um, which is kind of, you know, what we got another eight games left. It kind of makes things difficult to predict, doesn't it? Um, uh, who, you know, it's it's good. I mean, it's good for the it's good for the Premiership to to see that they're, you know, it, it's um, it wasn't just going straight to form again. So, you know, I think I like all good managers will say all we do is focus on our own process and our own performances, and uh, and we'll not worry about what other people are doing. Um, but yeah, no, it's always good to see English rugby, you know, a few good results and a few tries and stuff. Well, certainly good for for West Country rugby with wins for Bristol, Gloucester, Exeter, and Bath. So, before we move on, is there anything else anybody wants to add about the Saracens game? Just very quickly, Tony, uh, Callum Sheedy is at 131 points now after 14 league games, which is um, now scored 377, which makes him fifth highest ever for the club and 50 caps um, for let me go through my little notebook Andy Yorin 50 caps since the rebranding and also Big Jake so congratulations to those three oh good lads absolutely and I think Sheedy I, I think there's a golden boot isn't it for the um, the kicker that scores the most points um, mm. where I think is it Marcus Smith at Quinns has got the most points overall including tries but Sheedy's leading that uh, particular competition for kicking points so uh, fingers crossed um, Callum might might come away with the golden boot uh, so yeah tremendous tremendous effort there to already surpass his uh, total from last season with eight games still to go right um, Bristol Bears are up the M5 to King's home on Friday night and before we talk about uh, what we think is going to happen maybe team selection and results um, we decided to catch up with Cherry Jam. Now, Cherry Jam is a new Gloucester podcast and uh, very kindly, Ed, who is one of the four presenters or co-hosts of the podcast, uh, spoke to me on Sunday night to give us a little bit of a, a Gloucester insight into the game. Let's let's listen, listen to what Ed had to say. And now we're very lucky that we uh, have got our first guest since uh, the restart, and that's Ed from Cherry Jam, the Gloucester Rugby Podcast. Ed, welcome to Bears Beyond the Gate. Thanks for fi- finding some time to speak to us. Oh, thank you very much, uh, Tony. Thank you very much for inviting me as well. Now, now, first of all, I'm just intrigued. Um, you, you've only just launched the podcast, so what, what suddenly made, in, in the lockdown, if you like, you decide to do uh, a, a new podcast for, for Gloucester Rugby? Yeah, um, we're now, uh, we're about to record our uh, official ninth episode this evening, actually. Um, and uh, we started the podcast mainly because lockdown was not only depressing um, for just the normal reasons, but particularly for Gloucester fans, as we seem to be disintegrating as a club um, <laughs> around April, May. Um, so I kind of shouted out to a few of my mates who've been watching the rugby with for the last sort of 10, 15 years and suggested we sort of collectivise our pain, so to speak. Um, and um, basically what we decided to do was, was kind of just talk about the chaos that was enveloping Gloucester maybe it might help and be a bit cathartic and then actually gradually as the weeks went on the more positive news started to come out about new coaches and players um, and um, and so far so good it's been it's been a really good experience so far 
and and a really good listen. I've listened to two or three episodes, and I'm I'm just interested. What what's the general feeling around uh, Gloucester fans at the moment? Because um, as you say, I think you went on a bad run. Was it five league defeats, and they're not obviously yeah. Ackerman going, and it all seems a bit chaotic. But things have started to come together, and congratulations on that that win at uh, Worcester on Saturday. I, I know they had the red card, but even so, to score that many points and tries uh, at, uh, at their place is, is quite an achievement. Is, is there an air of growing optimism around Gloucester fans now? Um, again, it kind of fits in with the name of our podcast, which is Cherry Jam. There's always an air of optimism around Gloucester, um, <laughs> often misplaced. Um, but no, I, I mean, I think I think we're kind of... The, the, the problem, I think, most of the beginning of the season and up until the lockdown was it, it felt that we kind of got stuck in a rut and that the, the tactics and the players quite weren't... They weren't working, that there was some sort of disconnect between the coaches and the players, and that was feeding through to the performances. Um I mean, we're all, I think we're all intrigued to see how George Givington gets on. I think the the, the focus potentially on a more forward-orientated game is a pleasing one. It's something that we seem to have lost our way a little bit, close to being renowned as a forward-orientated club, probably in the in the old days. Um, but we've we've lacked that sort of gnarly edge for a while. Um, so that's that's a positive. It seems um, certainly from Saturday's performance, I noticed a lot more um, driving up the middle, a bit more, um, it, you know, the, the props and the back row were getting involved a little bit more than they were um, uh, under Ackerman's tenure. Um, I think generally we're optimistic and I certainly I agree with you in terms of getting that many points at Worcester. You're right, the 14, you know, playing against 14 men helps, certainly, but we've got an appalling record up at six ways. You know, uh, uh, we've played up there and they've had men sent off before and we've drawn, we've gone up there winning left, right and centre and gone up there and lost or drawn and it's, it was pleasing to see us actually put a performance together um, even as you say they're, they're down to 14 men um, but generally I think we're pretty positive but obviously we've got to play you guys on, on next week <laughs> <laughs> Yeah well I, I can certainly six ways hasn't been a happy hunting ground for Bristol over the last few years and uh, I don't, don't know what it is but they, they always seem to put on a, a strong performance and yes let's talk about that we're uh, we're up to King's Home it's such a great shame that uh, no crowds are going to be in because uh, the four of us from our podcast we all had tickets for the shed and uh, we're looking forward to a, a bit of friendly West Country banter um, but uh, yeah how how are you viewing the game against Bristol then for, for Friday it's an interesting one because um, I kind of go back to the, I mentioned it on a pod a couple of on our pods a couple of years a couple of weeks ago sorry um, and that's that over the last few years it seems that we go into Bristol and we struggle um, for whatever reason I think there's a, we, we won um, the year that you got relegated last um, but then uh, struggled in that game, you know, um, and then routinely are quite comfortable at home. Now, obviously, the dynamics can be very different this this year because there is no crowd. You haven't got that Bain King's own uh, support that's going to maybe help the referee make the correct decision every now and again. Um, so I, I'm. I'm positive. I'm, hum- I'm positive, and I'm hopeful because it's at King's Own. Mm. Um, even and even with no crowd, you, 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 there's the aura, there's the the feeling around the, the stadium. Um, however, again, I watched I watched yeah, your go, you go play Saracens yesterday, and the very few times that you see Saracens beaten in a scrap, which I thought it was yesterday. There wasn't a lot of great rugby played, but it was it was an arm wrestle, and it's very very rare you see Saracens 
even with a few players out, losing an arm wrestle. So that was, you know, that's pause for thought for Gloucester. I think if Gloucester can keep it, uh, keep it tight and don't concede, you know, silly points is what we did down at Bristol uh, earlier in the season. Um, I feel more and more comfortable. Maybe there's that sort of that feeling of, you know, confidence comes through through the club and through the players that think, oh, this is like the old Bristol. We can beat them in the last thirty, which is what we did last season. Um, so I'm I'm I'm, pos- I'm I'm always positive when we play at King's Own, but I'm I'm realistic to know that Bristol have got a very good side at the moment. Uh, got a lot of um, depth, which I don't think you've had up until quite recently. There seems to be a lot of, of squad depth. You've got players who can come on and, and make a difference. Where maybe previous years you scratched the surface a little bit, and there wasn't a lot of there wasn't a lot of quality underneath that first fifteen or you know uh, first seventeen players, for example. No, I think that's um, an absolutely fair comment. And from a you know from our perspective, to see the likes of Carl Sinclair and Ben Earl coming off the bench yeah. um, <laughs> against Saracens, uh, you, you know you've got a bit of uh, strength in depth when when that happens. So from from the team that played um, up at six ways then, and I'm assuming because if you've got a game midweek then that follows uh, I think we've got Leicester very soon afterwards if my memory serves me right um, mm. I know that we've got a lot of games in a very short period of time like yourselves um, mm. because I think you've got Exeter haven't you very soon after us so, Exeter um, on the Tuesday yeah yeah um, I think it's a similar situation for Gloucester and uh, rotation is going to be important Um our in, we've got again as always with Gloucester we have, seem to apparently have a mini injury crisis which is helpful um, I would have expected to see Hines if he's fit I'd expect him to see him on the bench probably um, with Simpson starting um, although Varney did very well you know the young our young scrum half came on and did very well for the last 10-15 minutes on Saturday um, props I would imagine will change so people like Jay Ford Robinson will will play uh, Jamal Ford Robinson sorry should, will play uh, Mugapola um, or Mugapola sorry will, will probably start um, and we've got about nine hookers for some reason at the moment so <laughs> eventually they'll, they'll probably change as well um, I would imagine the back row will probably be quite similar Pelledri was immense on Saturday so if they can manage him and make sure he's still fit and he's raring to go I mean he was he was actually quite scary I think I saw a tweet that said it's almost unfair uh, we've got 14 humans and pelagery playing for us it's um, you know some of the some of the runs and some of the uh, the barnstorming that Ramsey does it, it, it are actually quite scary to watch when you in the stadium so having running him running at you must be absolutely petrifying um other than that, I don't see there's going to be a huge amount of changes. I think we'll probably get it. It'll probably be more on the bench. You'll see more of a change. Um, there'll be we had a, quite a lot of young lads uh, on the bench, um, so I would imagine some of those might be shifted shifted out, and some of the more experienced players, if they are fit, will come back in. Um, people like if Atkinson's fit, uh, might come back on the bench. They might rotate the wings um, so people like Banahan might come in uh, May obviously took a, a knock to his head which resulted in the red card so there's a doubt about him um, overall again as I said probably not a huge amount of different changes but it'll be 
more on the bench and then the, the, the impact coming off and it'll probably be the same for you guys I imagine I can't imagine there'll be huge amount of changes after beating Saracens you don't normally change your winning side do you? No no it's going to be very interesting I mean if it, the, the, I suppose the issue for us is having Exeter uh, on, on Tuesday night at home so uh, I think one thing we've learned from Pat Lamb he's pretty shrewd at uh, using his squad and as, as you alluded to we, we have got a little bit of depth but uh, I think uh, I mean we're going to talk about this on the podcast later uh, around who we think is going to play but I would imagine the core will be um, be the same so let me Ed let me put you on the spot then um, first of all give me a prediction of where you think Gloucester will finish in the league this season and then your prediction a score prediction for Friday night at Kings Hill I think and I'm being probably ultra positive here I think we'll finish top six um, I, I think now they've changed the, they seem to be changing the, the rules in terms of the qualification to the European Cup next to Champions Cup you think it now look like you need to finish at top eight yeah. so it does hopefully relieve a little bit of pressure but I feel that we probably would get top six top four I think is probably beyond us just because we're going to have to beat people like Saracens away um, uh, and win in places we don't normally win so um, I, I kind of think top six is about where we'll be um, and then it's Friday night um, well, I predicted us. I predicted on the pod that we would lose to Worcester. So um, <laughs> um, I'm going to say Gloucester by four again because I'm very much biased, and I think I just think maybe maybe it was a little bit easier for us than it was for you. And it might be tired bodies, tired minds. Uh, it's difficult to back up that performance. So that's that's where I'm heading. You're going for, for Glo- yeah, Gloucester. Gloucester by Gloucester. four. Gloucester by four. Yeah. yeah, well, it, it's going to be super interesting. Of course, the Rifles Cup is at stake, uh, which, uh, having not had it for the best part of the decade, I think we've uh, re- retained the trophy for two or three times now. Um, so it should be a fabulous night. It's a West Country derby under the lights. Uh, I'm sure we'll all be glued to the televisions. Uh, Ed, thank you so much for uh, giving us the time and uh, good luck to uh, you, the, the podcast and, and to Gloss for the rest of the season yeah and same to you and of course the most important thing as we all know this um, I think Gloucester and Bristol uh, there's a friendly rivalry and let's be honest we all dislike Bath a lot more that's the most important thing so couldn't have said it better myself (laughs) (laughs) cheers Ed all the best Thanks, Danny. Well, there we are. Um, I thought a very interesting interview with Ed. And uh, by the way, Pete, he, he did mention once we finished the interview, he's a big Saints fan at not Northampton, oh. Southampton. So I said I'd pass that on to you. Um, so, you know, it has been a tra- traumatic year hasn't it 2020 um, with Gloucester uh, off the back of those uh, five straight defeats which started by the way with um, us beating them uh, down at Ashton Gate uh, and then Ackerman going as well um, hearing what Ed said um, let, let, let me come to Pete um, do, do you think Gloucester are settled now um, you know obviously a good result at six ways um, but um, do you think they've turned a corner or is it uh, too early to tell? Well, just before I answer that question, Tony, the first thing that I thought when I started here listening to him was he, he sounded a bit like Miles. But then obviously as soon as he actually started, you know, um, saying a few things about rugby, I realised it wasn't Miles at all. And, um, uh, <laughs> what, because he knew his stuff? 
because he knew well, he knew more about Bristol, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, no, yeah, um, nice chap. Tone, I've completely forgotten the question you asked me. It's, 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 it's just this, uh, a Gloucester still in turmoil, or do you think they've turned oh, yeah, the corner? Sorry. Well, I think he was being like cautiously optimistic, wasn't he? I mean, clearly. Yeah. They have been in turmoil, and, and I think even more than perhaps uh, you know we know or anyone knows, um, they they seem to be very kind of pleased about Skivington. They um, coming in um, despite I, I assume still a slight um, question mark over his contract at London Irish, um, and you know they the result on on um, Saturday or Friday night, sorry, seems to suggest that it's not all bad. That said, you know. Worcester went down to 14 men you know you, we know that if if uh, someone gets a you know, gets their pecker up when when a team's down it, it can be quite can quite easily go away from them um, I still think you know things aren't going to change overnight um, I, I, I I have my own sources uh, in uh, the Gloucester team as you know uh, something I've been cultivating over the summer holidays and I, I also got the vibes from my sources that there was still quite a um, a lot a long way to go to get the kind of players back on into a kind of team unit the sort of thing that we talk about at Bristol and clearly um, that had been lacking um, in previous um, reincarnations of coaching staff so I think they're still fragile I think Gloucester is a team that if you can get at them uh, and, and hopefully we will that, that they you know they've still got quite a long way to go so I think I think uh, you know we'll we'll see uh, let me come to Lee I mean one of the comments that uh, Ed made was uh, they, they fielded against Worcester 14 humans and Jake Pelledry <laughs> um, you know how worried are you about Pelledry um pulling out a big game against uh, against Bristol where, you know, we let him slip through our fingers and obviously his dad is a legend uh, at Bristol. Uh, how much of a concern is that for you Friday night? It's a massive concern for me, Tony. I mean, I, I saw the highlights on TV and I have to admit, every time uh, Big Jake got the ball, he was absolutely immense absolutely immense and definitely one that we've um, that we have let slip for our fingers I mean I do agree with Pete I think there is going to they're going to take a bit of time to to get that team bonded together but then having said that they've still got so many good players and that's why they're so dangerous you know Cipriani still runs the show creativity obviously we don't know if May's going to be playing because he did receive a knock on the head didn't he um against Worcester yeah. but then they've got Zamet Reedy's to play Simpson's keeping them ticking over um, you know they, they've you know uh, 12 trees they've got some great players still and obviously you know when Ed was saying about um, you know Banahan might play I mean these are these are top quality players and they're, they're dangerous but I do I, even having said that I do think that defensively they're suspect and I do believe if you do get in amongst them uh, we, we can get the win and get the win at Gloucester as well I mean you know let's I'm, I'm, I'm also cautiously optimistic from the Bristol side. Okay, well, let, let, let's have a few uh, facts and figures then. Um, we've played Gloucester 41 times in the Premiership. Uh, Gloucester have won 26, Bristol 14, and there's been one draw. Uh, but our record at Kingsholm, we have only ever won twice. 
So, um, you know, can we make it three on Friday? Um, you know, I think this is probably one of the best chances we've had for a decade to uh, to to get that victory at King's Home. And of course, as Ed said, without the King's Home crowd and the the the, the banter that you get from the shed, uh, I think I think that will level things off a little bit. Um, but you look at our last three games; they've all actually been at Ashton Gate. But um, last game back in January, we beat them. 34-16 in the league um, at the start of this season back in September we won 2017 in the Premiership Cup uh, and then the back end of last season there was that bit of a nail-biter uh, where we won at Ashton Gate 28-24 so let me come to um, Miles uh, two wins only at King's Home during that time how do you see the game going are, are we going to make it three come Friday? Uh, yeah, I, I, I think it's hard not to be more confident than, than any time in the past going up to Kingsholm. I mean, as Ed said, they haven't got the crowd behind them. We'll talk about this later, about whether there's any home advantage without crowds. But I think with our defensive effort against Saris um, and our new attacking sort of lads on board... We've got to cross our fingers for at least a bit of dry weather on Friday night. I'm not going to predict as big a scoreline as last time, <laughs> believe it or not. <laughs> so, um, but I, I think we'll grind out a win. I mean, remember when they came to Ashton Gate last? The likes of Reece Samit, almost non-existent. We really shut them down, all their big players, and we got that massive win over them. So I'm hoping uh, with your new signings up, I'm confident of the win again, but not by not quite as much, lads. So, so Miles, give me a score prediction then. Let me put you okay. on the spot. Uh, okay, I'll tell you what. I win by seven. I, I, it's hard to predict the score, but seven point advantage. I think. No, no, no. no, no You've got to say a score. You've got, got to say a score. All oh, right. Okay. Right. Um, Twenty thirteen. Okay. Now let me oh, come to uh, Pete. Now, uh, Pete, uh, before you come on to your score prediction, I'll let you have a little more time to to think about that. Um, what changes do you think we'll see uh, Pat make for this game? Um, you know, if it wasn't for that that pesky Tuesday night game that follows, um, you would think that pretty much if people were fit and firing we, we'd see uh, a very similar 23 but uh, you know yeah. it, it, I said um, uh, only at the weekend I think the team that comes top this year will have the director of rugby that's played the squad the best especially with these midweek games um, do you see a lot of changes or, or do you think um, we'll, we'll stick with a winning formula to try and win against Gloucester I think we could see a few, and I'm thinking uh, in the areas where that were, you know, where where shifts were put in, perhaps on Saturday, um, because it would have taken quite a lot, a lot out of people. I, I, I was going to say Sinclair starting, but of course that kind of implies a foe on the bench, and then you wonder whether a foe going back to Gloucester is, you know, is is a, is a motivational thing. Um, so I'm, I'm a bit, I'm not sure about that because I. I kind of feel that maybe, maybe, but then again, I kind of think maybe he'll leave, keep a foe for Exeter because of his, you know, he's a his solid scrummaging and Sinclair. 
perhaps might get his, his full debut against Gloucester and, and maybe be back on the bench for for Exeter. There's always the potential for Andy Oren to start rather than Randall because we know he's done this before. It, it kind of perhaps depends on what, what Pat's game plan is going to be. Um, engine room, Lahif might get a start. I, I don't know. Okay, Jake might get a rest. And potentially Thacker, if, if he's got, if he's had that match, sort of that that bit of a run out, and if he's feeling fit and fully fit, I'd have thought Thacker would is more likely to start. Um, but then again, you might say we might want to save Thacker for his full start on Tuesday against Exeter. I think people like Luatoa, Vui, Atwood. I mean, those those beasts will probably want to play every game, and perhaps if they're not too badly injured and have recovered well and had a few good massages, you know, they may start again. And you know, we've got the likes of like, well, it'd be interesting actually going back to Hughes and Earl. You know, is that a, a, a perhaps a an indication that Earl might start because he, he they had a half each and I don't know I haven't really answered the question very well there have I but it's, it's, I'd rather predict the, the score to be honest that was the most long-winded answer <laughs> in the history of Bears Beyond the Gate <laughs> and we, we still haven't got an answer <laughs> so, Tony Tony, why don't you come to me? Well, let, 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 me, let me just finish on Pete and the pack. I think it is incredibly difficult with this midweek game to try and, to try and second guess. So to, to summarise, you're seeing some changes, but not wholesale in the pack. Um, but Pete, what is your score prediction? Oh, I, I, I was stung last week. I... I I think we'll score I think we'll score two tries so that's at least 10 isn't it um, and I, I'd say we might put 20 get 20 points but I think I think Gloucester are dangerous and kind of depends on Cipriani he has quite a good game you know one of those those I, I'm going to go 2015 to us 2015 okay yeah. let, let me come to you now Lee um, Pete's meandered through the pack let, <laughs> yeah, so, let, so let, basically let, I've, I've got like three seconds air time now to, to <laughs> say what I think yeah yeah it, <laughs> you, round up, can you round up the backs quickly t- t- talk, right, t- no, talk no, to I, us about the backs and if there's anything that you you think in that pack you you would uh, strongly disagree with Pete's analysis well I, I do think Max Laheef will come in um, I think Thacker comes in for Burn, and I think Big John starts because it's Gloucester all day long. Um, one thing I would say, second row, I, I'm worried about, obviously, Jake Pledry. Um I'm worried about not only the power, but the pace. Um, I don't know if Big Dave might sit this one out. I know that's probably controversial, um, but I just think we might need to go a bit more like for like. So I'd possibly bring in Ed Holmes. Keep keep Chris Fui in there, um, and the only uh, to uh, Alapati Leoa I think might come on on the wing for Purdy, um, and I think that's pretty much it for me, mate. Nice, nice and easy. Wrapped up. Copied a couple of mine there, but that's fine. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think just just to chip in with with Hughes clearly not injured and just doing a half, and then Burn Burn Earl coming on for a half. Uh, I I just wonder whether you know they might swap it. They might keep it the same. Hughes plays yeah. forty minutes Agreed. to yeah. try and uh, keep Pelledri quiet, and then you know you've got Ben Earl, and and let's face it, seeing Ben Earl trot on at half time with. Fresh legs, 
you know, must must have been quite or quite a sight for those Saracens players. Controversially, could it not be a Hughes and Earl starting? Well, potentially, yes, potentially yeah, to, uh, to, um, to to kind of negate the the, the Pelletri. Yeah, possibly, possibly. Um, So, um, is that good enough for you there? Is that quick enough? Very well done. Very well done. Um, Miles, any any points you want to throw in before we move on? Uh, (laughs) Where's Uh, Paul Hall? (laughs) He's retired. Yeah, I I think I agree with the backs. I mean, you know, we've always we see these always struggled a bit, sort of ball in hand is in and kicking. I mean, from a tee, he's fantastic, and our our, um, our resets again on on Saturday were pretty appalling, weren't they? Despite the conditions, you know. And Lee and I said, it's just we need Bedlow, isn't it? You know, for those huge restarts. But I mean, I would I would give this the same line of backs, same start, and I don't know, maybe in the centre have a few different people. I mean, Lloyd didn't have much game time in the end, did he? So he didn't really get to show his show how good he is. But uh, yeah, I'm not sure I'd make many changes in the backs. To be honest, mate. No, I think I, I tend to go along with that, and uh, yeah, it, uh, it it does worry me this quick turnaround time, and I do wonder whether Pat will play with the squad maybe a, even a little bit more than than, than we think. Um, because let me let, let uh, sorry, Lee, I haven't got your score prediction. Let's let's get that oh, first. Yeah. Sorry, Tony, I've gone. I've changed it three times now. But I, <laughs> the one I'm the one I'm going to settle on is twenty one seventeen. Twenty one seventeen. I'm going to I'm going to go for a. Third victory at King's Home for the Bristol Boys. Yeah, well, I'm going for a 23-20 victory, um, and yeah, I I think I think that's with them scoring a, a late consolation try. Um, so you're listening to Bears Beyond the Gate, a Bristol Bears podcast made by fans for fans. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Buzzsprout, and many more platforms. If you like what you hear, please leave a review or rating for the show. You can contact us with your comments and ideas by email at bearsbeyondthegate at gmail.com. On Twitter, we're Bears Beyond Gate. And on Facebook, you can like and follow our Bears Beyond the Gate page. Now, one bit of Bristol news that came out um, just before the, um, the Saracens game was that we have or Pat has offered 33 contract extensions and all 33 players have signed up for them so let me come to Lee first Um, your thoughts on hearing that news yeah great news and I think we we all well I I think we kind of thought this might happen Um, and I I think it's, it's brilliant these guys now are all established um, and these are the guys to take us forward, march us on to um, to first of all domestic and then European domination. Cool. I shocked you all, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it really? You're, all, you're speechless. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think that was. I mean, that was a, a great little tactical morale boost, wasn't it? Just before the, the Saris game. I mean, it got fans excited. Probably got all the players excited. I mean, you know, with the, it's, it's, look at the training facilities we've now got. They're world class. I mean, if I said to Lee, "Listen, mate, I've got a new hot tub, a new 40-inch TV, and a new gazebo," he'd be round like a shot. So you know. That's what, I feel. <laughs> That's what I feel like the Bristol players. I mean, they've seen these facilities and they see where Bears are going. And it's a no-brainer to want to pay for Bristol Bears now. Yeah. Now, I think I think it, it, 
although not a lot of detail was given, it sounds like most people now are tied into three years with the club, which sees us through this current uh, yeah. kind of salary cap restriction. And uh, we don't know when the contracts were signed, but you would assume they've been quite astute, so can claim those salaries at 75% if they were signed before the deadline, um, uh, which was a few weeks ago. But uh, on the uh, Bears website, it lists 39 senior players, Obviously, 33 were given contracts. Uh, now, we put a tweet out about it. And first of all, let me apologise for Toby Fricker. I, I put on the tweet that Toby Fricker was one of the six that wasn't um, offered a contract extension. He was. Um, the one I got mixed up with there was Semi Radraja. But of course, he's already on a three-year deal with the Bears. So uh, Semi was one of those six. The others were... Ben Earl and Max Mallins, who of course are only on loan for um, a year with us. Uh, the next was Tom Kessel, who's just joined uh, a scrum half cover. And the other two players were Chris Cook, who is the injured scrum half that Tom Kessel has come in for, uh, and Charlie Powell. So let me come to Pete. Um, no contract extensions for Cook and Charlie Powell. Any thoughts around that? Uh, well, I assume, I mean, Cook was always was a fairly short-term one anyway, wasn't he? Um, and, you know, maybe it's, he is, you know, cover, um, perhaps. You know, so it's not surprising with him. Um, Charlie Powell, I don't know, it's, uh, I mean, he's still on the squad, isn't he? I mean, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, maybe he's just been given a bit of an, you know, he's on a one-year rolling and it's a bit of an incentive, you know, it's like, you know, show us what you've got, and uh, you know we'll, we'll take it from there. Um, difficult. I don't know, really, to be honest. <laughs> Is that short enough for you? That, that, that's nice and succinct, uh, Pete. Yeah. I think one one thing that was interesting, uh, one of the comments from Pat was uh, when he was talking about these contracts. He said um, there are f- there's flexibility on both sides. So although I think everybody has signed up potentially for the next three years, it does sound like there may be. Uh, there are some opt-out clauses there but uh, as as Lee quite rightly said you know to have that group of players now um, commit to the club um, it, it's just fantastic to think of the position that that we are in um, and I think that team spirit just shines through and through um, so uh, congratulations to everybody that got the contract ex- extension uh, and let's hope that you form a, uh, a dynasty that uh, will uh, uh, rule rugby in this country and if not the European continent. Let's move on because time is a ticking away. I just wanted to finish tonight. We've had lots of uh, tweets, as you might expect, with the season starting and having the first game. So I'm going to come to um, each of you individually with um, some comments that have come up on our Twitter stream. Um, First of all, if I can go to Lee, um, Russ Petty, who is at rpetty80 on Twitter, um, came up with a fact that was on the ESPN website. He said Bristol um, had conceded a try for a premiership record 76 consecutive games up until the Saracens game. The last time that we didn't allow our opponents to score in the Premiership was a 6-9 to nine home loss versus Sale in September 2008. Lee, were you surprised to see that stat? I, 
that's actually saying. I mean, it, it's it's bizarre, but you don't really, you know, when when you're watching the games, you don't really think of these stats at the time. But I was surprised at that. But obviously, um, you know, it's twenty six games. I mean, it's it's definitely a stat we want to get rid of, wasn't it? So, um, so what better way to do it against, uh, you know, um, contentiously the best team in the land? Um, and also, don't forget, though, we did have to shut out the donut in Breve, didn't we, in the European competition as well. So, the bagel. you know, yeah. the bagel, sorry, yeah, the French bagel. So, yeah, it was surprising. And it's, it's nice to get that monkey off our backs, I think. Absolutely. I think uh, when you looked at the figures, Quinns were on, I don't know if it was before the weekend or after, 73 games with conceding um, uh, a try and still going. So hopefully if they can concede tries for the next month or so, they'll uh, they'll take that record from us. Um, let, let, let me go to Miles next and a uh, very good friend of the pod, Mr. Andrew Cleaver at Brizvedar on Twitter. Um, and he can threw in another stat which said Saracens last failed to score a try in a premiership game on the 5th of March 2016 which was a 15-20 defeat to Northampton Saints how you know that that is quite a stat does does that amplify the achievement that Bristol um, made at the weekend miles I mean, that, that makes the win even better, TC. <laughs> That's fantastic. I mean, you know, the the current premiership and European champions for a reason. I mean, that side that came to Ashton Gate on Saturday. Yeah, but, or, <laughs> that, so that team came to Ashton Gate on Saturday um, and, and they played really well. They are going to be loads more teams in the next eight rounds. I mean, you know, the, the cheats that they are, and you know, my sort of dissent about that this league not being stopped and all their games voided so far. Put that aside, they are a damn good side still. They've got quality players, and it's clear that they're going to put out the best side that they can for the rest of the season. So it's a great result, and it just proves how well we played on Saturday and against Saris just makes the win even better fantastic miles thank you pete this one's for you it's from richard oliver at richard p oliver on twitter um and he is asking us do you think empty stadiums reduce home advantage um well clearly not for us (laughs) because we won um is it well it's a difficult one that I think it's it's difficult to generalise I mean Steve Diamond joked didn't he uh, at sale saying it was no different um, having a lockdown in the stadium to their normal attendance <laughs> so they, they were used to it um, I think it must do a little bit I think it although this whole thing about home advantage is always a weird thing it's e- easy to say it's like the fans but the fans can also cause quite a lot of problems when you play at home and, and just to switch over to the round ball game as I've experienced by being a Southampton fan for the last few years is our home um, our home record is rubbish they've got a great stadium so it comes down to lots of things doesn't it how comfortable you feel how the players feel by not having to drive very far to get to the game they're used to the people they, you know, they come to the game relaxed so I think all of that still is quite important, clearly. Um, perhaps the the, whole, the the crowd thing is when you, it's a tight game, and you know, and you get that kind of big Brit, that big kind of roar around a stadium like Ashton Gate when we're when we're pushing for a try. Um, but you know, again, we proved the fact that that you know perhaps when we thought we might have needed the crowd 
to push us over the line. They did it themselves. Um, it'd be interesting. I'm sure there'll be some stato somewhere. We'll, we'll work it all out by the end of the season and, and then we'll, we'll wait until they, they tweet the results. So maybe Richard um, could sort that out for us <laughs> by the end of the I mean, season. Yeah. To, to inter- interject a bit, Pete, as you like, I mean, Lee and I, we, we quite enjoyed the fake crowd noise, didn't we, mate? It was um, quite good, actually, know, yeah. At one point, the fella in charge of the sound did an absolute brilliant job. Sarri's going to throw in up with five minutes to go out of line. The lad in charge of the tannoy cranked up the sound to Bristol and he mucked yeah. up the line out and stayed it. It was just fantastic. But they didn't hear it then. Do they hear yeah. it, the players? Well, it's hard to tell, but Lee and I did. We're in stitches. So isn't there just, just BT Sport playing it through for the audience? Uh, I, I, or is actually they hearing it in the stadium as well? I, I, I don't know the answer to that, but it was classic timing. But whatever, whatever the answer was, it worked at that particular line out. So it was brilliant timing. Okay, okay just yeah, we know the answer. Let, 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 let's move along. I th- I thought it was just the TV soundtrack. I didn't we think need it was a player playing. to come on and tell us, don't we? Yeah, yeah. yeah. When he, Callum Sheedy follows us, maybe he could just drop us a tweet and tell us, yeah. could they hear the fake sound in the pitch or was it just people shouting from the bench? There we are. So, no. so, so, let, just we, no, 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 no. Let's, let, let's just put a challenge yeah. out. First player to tweet Bears Beyond the Gate and let us know whether they could hear the sound or not. There's a challenge to the, the players in the squad okay. Lee yeah no, I, I just want to say, I mean, I, I do think it does have a, a detrimental effect uh, not having the fans in the ground. But I do think that sometimes it can, that can be overplayed. Um, I think ultimately, if you've got a professional side out on the pitch and they, they do their job, then it really doesn't matter who is in the crowd um, or if they're playing in front of one man and his dog. I think ultimately the best players, the most professional players will come out and perform. Nice, Nicely said, Lee. Let, let me move on then. Um, and a tweet that actually came in tonight, Monday evening, um, and it's from Marcus Watts. Uh, that's at Watts underscore MF on Twitter. Uh, and he was just commenting on former Bristol player and Sevens legend Dan Norton joining London Irish um, and wanted to know our thoughts about that. Um, I can remember seeing Dan Norton play um, up at the Mem. Um, incredibly quick, incredibly skillful. But but Marcus, I actually agree with you. I think there were certain facets of his game that, that maybe didn't really work for uh, the, the 15 aside game and he did uh, I know while he, he was with us spend a lot of the time uh, away with the sevens so um, it will be fascinating to see how how much he plays and what impact he has for London Irish uh, in the, the the 15 game but uh, as an ex-Bristol player we, we wish him well um, and finally did anybody see the um, the the tweet by Ian Snook, that's at Snook Ian on Twitter, who recreated what looked like the queue for uh, a Thatcher's uh, under the uh, Dolman stand, where he had everyone in the house lined up, socially distanced uh, queue to uh, get a beer out of the fridge at halftime. Ian, that was brilliant. Fantastic. 
Brilliant stuff. Well, that's been quite an epic. Um, I think this is probably going to be the longest ever episode. But I think, uh, please forgive us, listeners. We've uh, we've not had any rugby for five months, and then to to come back with such a fantastic win over Saracens. Um, you know, there were so many talking points, and uh, well, we we hope you enjoyed the show. That's us uh, for this week. We'll be back next week and uh we'll leave you with uh just a a brief comment for the the man responsible for bristol bears win at the weekend hello my name's jamie george and you're listening to bears beyond the gates